Welcome to the Unique Garden Show, hosted by Mike Branning, owner of the Unique Garden Center. Join us each week right here as Mike discusses gardening topics and takes your calls and questions. Our call-in number is 366-8471. Now, here's your host, Mike Branning. Good morning, Mariah. Hello, good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. That is so awesome. Looks like a nicer day today. It is. It's going to be warmer. Maybe no rain. It was chilly yesterday. It sure was. Oh, my gosh. And all last night and this morning. Yep. (laughs) No doubt. I was scared for today, but it'll be sunny today. I know my wood-burning stove, I fell asleep and didn't wake up, and my wood stove burned down to (gasps) nothing. Oh, good. So I woke up, and even though I was warm under the covers, my (laughs) nose was really cold. Oh. And uh, that's how I heat my house is with a wood stove. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyways, but yeah, it was a cold night, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> anyways. Yes, and before I forget, if you have a question, you can call at 760-366-8471. Okay. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to finish the one thing I didn't cover when it comes to, we talked about tree pruning and selection of trees as far as buying trees that need a pollinator in past programs. And the one thing I didn't cover was dormant spray. And basically what that is, is there's a couple of diseases uh, that you can only cure and correct during the dormant season because there's no spray during the growing season. And one of those is called peach leaf curl, Ooh. and that will attack peaches and nectarines. And again, it's not it's, it's easy to control, but you have to prune with a lime sulfur spray during the winter months when the tree is dormant, and then that'll take care of the disease. Oh, and wow. if you already have it, I would recommend spraying the tree twice before the leaf buds swell and break out. Mm. And if you don't, and you just want to do it as a preventative measure, then that'd be fine too. And then there's a, another disease called fire blight that will occasionally get on uh, pears or apples. Mm. And it'd be the same thing. There's, all you can do is cut it back during the growing season as far as cutting back the affected wood. But you can actually spray to eradicate the disease when the tree's dormant by using a, a lime sulfur spray, which you can't use when the tree's leafed out. And then the other positive when using a dormant spray is a lot of insects, even though they die off in the winter, they will lay their eggs and the eggs will overwinter. And then in the springtime, when it warms up, then the eggs hatch and then you get insects. And there aren't really that many insects that are really dangerous to fruit trees, mm-hmm. except there is a, a wood borer, uh, which is can be devastating and so whether you have a uh, a fruit tree or you have another just an ornamental tree if you've had wood borers in the past then it would definitely be favorable to spray the tree with a dormant spray this time of the year so that way if there are any uh, borer eggs that are lying dormant on the wood then you can kill those off now, as far as the that goes, you want to use a copper oil spray. So for the diseases, you want to use a lime sulfur spray. And for overwintering insect eggs, you want to use a, a copper oil spray. Oh, wow. So they'd be different um, because you're looking at, the, you know, 
curing and using a spray for a disease versus an insect. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I would definitely recommend using either of those if you had an issue over the last year. And, uh, and that will about wrap up on as far as selection of fruit trees and, and uh, what to look for. And, and as far as already having trees in your yard, what you can use to keep them healthy and happy. Oh, wow. So moving on, uh, we're going to go into uh, if you have any thoughts about maybe putting a garden in this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you may have heard on the radio, it's been going on their airwaves now for a few months now. And there's also a new thing where they're trying to reduce green waste as far as produce going into the landfill. Mm-hmm. Because as produce and other vegetation is decomposing, uh, it creates methane gas. And then methane gas is equals into a greenhouse gas, mm. which is environmentally harmful to the to the planet and uh there's a lot of food waste when you in an average household and so a lot of people you know they'll buy something and it goes bad and they just throw it away and one thing that you can do to help prevent food waste in the refrigerator is you know a lot of foods have a fairly long shelf life uh but some fruits will give off natural gases and those natural gases will make other fruit ripen faster. It's called uh, ethane gas. Hmm. And it makes the other fruit ripen faster, and then it goes bad quicker. And so what you'd want to do is if you do have um, apples and bananas and tomatoes in the refrigerator, then put them in a in a bag or container or separate them if you have two refrigerators have them in one refrigerator and then have other produce in the other refrigerator because the uh, ethane gas that they give off will make the other fruit and vegetables ripen faster and so you don't have the same shelf life well yeah and uh so that's one thing you can do you know immediately in the refrigerator uh but as far as uh growing if you have plans on growing a garden this year some of the positives in doing your own garden is uh 90 percent of the most common fruits and vegetables in the u.s are grown by gmo mm. and again that's a a short-term name for genetically modified organism yeah, yeah. and the majority of all fruits that are being and vegetables that are being consumed now are being grown by GMO, and there's a lot of controversy. If you're pro-agriculture, they talk highly about it. Mm, If you're an environmentalist, then they talk negatively about it. So there really hasn't been a whole lot being done yet. It's kind of in the middle of debate. Um, But the one thing that when you do have GMO-grown foods, uh, as well as foods that are grown with synthetic insecticides, uh, you don't have the same nutritional value. And two, you know, when you're having a non-organic food product, then they're using synthetic fertilizers, and synthetic fertilizers impair 
the natural value, the, the nutritional value, and the taste of the food. And it basically, synthetic fertilizers, they inhibit the plant's production of phytonutrients, which create antioxidants. Oh, no. By using synthetic fertilizers oh, versus yeah, organic fertilizers. So, you know, so you don't get the antioxidants in the plant. You don't get, and because they don't properly restore the soil because they're using synthetic fertilizers to fertilize the plant. So the natural food value in the soil has been depleted. So you're not getting the mineral content. And so when you're buying a non-organic product, um, it can be anywhere from 16 to 61% less on nutritional value because of the depletion of the soil and as far as having the natural minerals in the soil. So you have the depletion of the soil and you also have being grown with synthetic fertilizers, they don't have the ability to produce the phytonutrients to produce the antioxidants for that plant. Mm. which in turn don't give them to, to you as well mm-hmm. as far as food value. And so definitely, you know, if you want to buy, I would definitely encourage people to buy organic. Yes. You know, and if you do want to do your own garden, uh, which I could be fun, if you have kids, mm-hmm. then you can make it a family project, and that could be a lot of fun, Aww. especially when the fruit is developing, where the vegetables are ripening, and they're out there picking it, and they grew it on their own. And uh, that's kind of a, a pretty cool thing for kids to be involved with. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then you know for sure if you are going to grow your own garden, if you grow it organically, um, then you know that you're getting the best out of that plant that you can possibly get. And the one thing you have to be careful on is, sadly, the word organic has taken on several definitions over the years because the word organic has become very marketable. And so a lot of things will say organic on it. And even though they may have organic ingredients in it, mm. someone like me who eats completely organic, um, I wouldn't touch it. Mm-hmm. So you always, even when things say organic, if it's a new thing that I find in a store and it looks appetizing, then uh, I'll, you know, grab it. I don't just grab it because it's organic and I throw it in the cart. I'll turn it around, read the ingredients. And sadly, the majority of the time, I put it back on the shelf Mm. because it isn't meeting my standards. And, uh, but even when you go to buy uh, mulch, as we've talked about in past programs, a lot of mulches will say organic on it, but yet they contain human waste. And, uh, but there's that, you know, definition of what is organic and what isn't organic even though it's manure <clears throat> whether it's cow manure or chicken manure or human manure mm. it's all waste mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah but depending upon what that animal is being fed yeah. yeah will determine whether it's organic or not mm-hmm. that's just like you can go out and buy a bag of steer manure and people automatically think that steer manure or chicken manure which is used as a fertilizer they automatically assume it's going to be organic because it's manure. It's manure. You know, but whatever that animal is fed is what is going to be in that manure. So if 
you're being fed GMO grains mm -hmm. and you're being fed, you know, animal uh, antibiotics and hormones, uh, which the beef industry is, you know, inundated with. Yes. And uh, as well as the poultry industry, mm -hmm. then whatever that animal is being fed becomes part of the manure and then you put it into your garden and that becomes part of your garden and that's going to become part of your vegetables that you're going to be consuming. And uh, so even if the word organic is on the label, definitely turn the package over and read the ingredients. And if it does contain human waste, <laughs> you know, considering the average person and how they eat and the amount of over-the-counter medications they take, mm -hmm. whether it be legal or illegal, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, sadly, you know, a lot of the legal ones are not great either. <laughs> but again, if that all becomes part of the manure and you go and, you know, they'll buy the sludge from a, a, a sewer treatment plant and then they'll take it over and they'll compost it and, and they'll mix it with fur bark and things like that. And then they'll sell it as an organic fertilizer or an organic mulch and it isn't. Oh, yucky. And uh, even the sound of that sounds pretty repulsive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> and... Uh, and it is. Yeah. And so if you do want to go with an organic garden, then definitely do your research and buy a 100% organic mulch. Mm -hmm. um, and as an example, you know, you can use a non-organic mulch if you're planting a non-food crop. Um, but pretty much across the board, you know, the mulch that I carry at my nursery is 100% organic. Oh, that's good to know. And that's used for whether I'm doing anything ornamentally or I'm doing something, you know, food-wise, I always use the same product. Mm. So whatever I carry in the nursery is organic. And uh, so you have that assurance right there. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely worth looking into. And as far as cutting down the amount of uh, green waste going into landfills, then I would definitely recommend if you are going to be doing a garden, you can be you can buy a compost drum, and you can do you can make a compost pile. <clears throat> and the compost pile you have to add water to, and you have to turn it and stir it because you need the water and the oxygen to help decompose that organic matter faster. Mm. And if you have a drum, then you can add the water, and then you can just turn the handle, and that'll turn the drum. And that'll save a whole lot of time when it comes as far as having to turn the product over. And what you can do is from the, the drum, you can do the initial breakdown in the composting drum. And then from there, if you have more waste and it's kind of filling the drum up, then you can take what's already being composted, that's partially composted, take it out, put that into an on-the-ground compost pile, and then by having it out there where it's already partially broken down, then you can add earthworms. And because when it's first breaking down, it creates heat and the heat is too hot for earthworms mm. and you'll bake the earthworms. Oh, no. And so if you have earthworms added to an already partially composted material and the majority of the heat has lessened, then the earthworms will do their job and they... They're great when it comes to breaking down compost. They do a really good job. 
And uh, so that way you can have the earthworms do the help do the job for you. And then you'll have an empty drum and then you can put more compost in there as far as food scraps and things like that. And then you can break them down. And by doing that, then you'll be doing your part to not add to the landfill problem of green waste and, uh, and do your thing as far as helping to lessen the methane gas problem, which creates the, the greenhouse gas. So those are all things that you can think about. And uh, compost drums are relatively inexpensive. And again, that'd be something that if you do it as a family, uh, the kids can get into it. And uh, if you go fishing, then you'll have plenty of earthworms to go fishing with and because uh, they'll do really, really well. And then if you, once the earthworms are in there and you have the compost started, if you were to add material to that that isn't quite broken down yet, so it's still creating heat, then the earthworms will go down deeper into the pile or they'll go into the soil and then they'll kind of lay low, and then when the heat or the new composting lessens, and they'll come back up into the pile, and then they'll go in and do their thing and break it down more. And uh, and again, earthworms, you know, it, I can't even explain how much of a benefit they are to a compost pile as far as breaking down the material quicker. And then again, at the same time, not only can you put a food waste in there, but also uh we're kind of past the fall time of the year, but in the fall when the trees are dropping their leaves, whether it be a mulberry or fruit trees or whatever, then you can take those leaves, which are a storehouse of nutrition, and then you can compost those instead of just throwing them into plastic bags and throwing them away. Um, you can compost those leaves, hmm. and leaves compost very quickly. So combining the leaves with the the fruits and vegetables that you're getting rid of in the house um, that'll all break down a lot quicker that way and then instead of having to buy mulch if you're going to be doing an organic garden we have a caller we did actually but i'll ask for him we were wondering if you will be at the shop today or tomorrow or both um actually uh most people have been getting some phone calls we've been closed because of the Christmas holidays, they fell on the weekend, mm-hmm. and then because of the weather, uh, I've been closed a lot mm-hmm. over the last, you know, two or three weeks. Yes. And uh, and this weekend, I'll be closed because I'm taking my grandkids down to the Jurassic uh, Park event down in San Diego. Oh, wow. How and cool. so I'm going to take them down there. So we will be closed this weekend, unfortunately, mm. but we will be open on Wednesday. Wednesday. That's the next day you'll be open. Yeah. Cool. And by all means, if you have anything that you need, then I'm, I'm in the nursery every day getting supplies to work out in the field. So I can always meet a customer down there and then uh, they can pick up what they need or they can ask me their question or whatever. Or they can call the nursery and leave a message mm-hmm. and then I'll give them a call back. And uh, we will be closed this weekend, but starting next week, and we should be back to normal hours again. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Good to know. So, yeah, I was debating whether to go <coughs> to San Diego on what day, and with it being so cold mm-hmm. the last couple of days, mm-hmm. I figured, well, I think Saturday's going to be kind of a just a really slow day because it's going to be so cold. Who's going to want to go out there in the cold? So I went ahead and planned on doing the, the Jurassic Park thing. 
And so that'll be fun. But anyway, getting back to the <clears throat> the composting, um, you know, there again, even though we've had a lot of rain and the last thing on people's minds is the drought, but the drought is not over, um, even though it seems like it is for the moment. And the rain, when the desert was totally digging on the rain, because it's been so dry for so long, the desert was just in heaven with all that rain. And so it was great. And, uh, but by composting, then by taking that compost, because you can compost throughout the year, and then by composting, not only for your, your own garden, uh, but you can also compost around your trees and your shrubs. And by doing that, then that will cut back on your amount of having to water during the spring and summer. So that'll save you money on your water bill, which are going up. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll be doing the right thing environmentally by making, well, one, you make the plant happier by mulching. Mm -hmm. So you're going to create a a happier, healthier plant. And by having to water less, you're going to be doing the right thing environmentally. And you're going to be saving money in your pocket by not having to pay so much for the amount of water that you're using for irrigation because by composting and composting around your plants and mulching them during the spring and summer, then you'll go a long way into cutting back on the amount of water that you need to use. So, and then you can buy the compost and put it on the plants. But if you already have, you know, leaf debris and food scrap debris and you put it in a drum, you can make your own really quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just so easy to do yeah, that if like everybody that. composted, mm-hmm. then uh, then people would be saving a whole lot on water and make their plants a whole lot healthier, too. Wow. So simple. Thanks for sharing that. It is. Hey, we have a caller. Her name is Sylvia. Hello, Sylvia. <coughs> You're on air with Mike. Hi, Sylvia. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you Hi. doing today? I'm really good. Hey, I've got a question. I have some, uh, um, a lot of sages, like, in my yard, and I'm wondering, and a bougainvillea, and I'm wondering when I should trim those back, if I can do it now or wait till, like, early spring. Uh, You can do it either one. If you do it now, because they're not going to put out new growth this time of the year, so if you do it now, they're going to look pruned until the springtime and they start putting new growth on or if you do it just before uh, springtime or at the very beginning of spring then it'll be a short turnaround between the plant being pruned back and the plant putting on new growth so it fills in faster so you can go either way as you know just know that aesthetically it's going to look pruned longer by doing it now um, but either way it's not going to hurt the plant one way or the other Okay. Well, it sounds like I'd rather wait till spring then. Now, on the Bougainvillea, depending upon where you live, if you live in, uh, say, Yucca Valley, then the cold is probably going to kill back a lot of the the wood. So you can actually, if it's turned brown, then you can cut that wood back and cut it off. But whatever is green, then it'll be your choice whether you do it now or or wait for another Uh month or month and a half. Oh, okay. So it matters whether it still looks green or not? Well, if the wood is brown and it's frozen, then you can just go ahead and cut it off aesthetically. It'll look better cut off now because it's already dead. 
Uh, if it's just dormant and lost its leaves, then you can make the choice of doing it now or doing it later. That'll be up to you. But it's not going to harm the plant one way or the other. Okay. And my uh, my other question is, I have some of my uh, bushes I have covered with burlap sacks because yes. it's been so cold, yes. you know, to protect them. Is it okay to just leave those on like until spring or should I take them off every yeah. day like when the sun's yeah. up? If you can, stand the line because we were out of time on the radio uh, with the news. So stand the line and I'll answer your question after we go off the air. So hang on. Oh, okay. So hang on. Yes. Oh. He'll get right back to you. Thank you, Sylvia.